Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Sin's Chat Corner. So very excited that I was able to reschedule my dear friend, uh, Dina Wilcox, to come on today. Always very excited when I'm interviewing fellow authors, especially authors from New York City, which, um, if you know me, you know my heart is... um, just wrapped around New York City. That's all I can say. So without further ado, because I know Dina's been holding a while here, let's get her on the show and get going. Hi, Dina. Hi, Cindy. How are you? How are you? <laughs> well, I'm okay. I actually sent you a message a little bit ago. I wasn't sure if you got it or not. So, um, no, I didn't we'll chat about that. Sorry. That's that's okay. That's quite all right, actually. I was just um, sending you a note to let you know, and I should let the listeners know this. There's a possibility... Um, that I might get preempted after the first half an hour of our interview. I have used penciled in for 60 minutes, and I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Um, but I might get dragged away after the first half. Yeah, and I might get dragged away after the first half an hour to get to my son, um, in which case then um, we would have to do like a two-part interview, if that's okay with you, because I'm selfish, and I like to have my guests on two, three, four, six times. I would love it, even six times. Oh, yay! Wonderful, wonderful. Well, let, let me just start off by first saying I, I just feel humbly graced by your presence and that, uh, first of all, like I mentioned earlier, um, I like to host fellow authors, especially those that are from New York City. It's just truly a joy to me because you just seem so emotionally spiritual in such a way that surpasses the norm. I found that your writing is quite refreshing. Uh, have Did you originate from a creative clan? No. I have a really? father who has a beautiful singing voice and a brother who is a musician and a painter. But um, I think that we are the rare birds in our family. Oh, really? Actually, okay. my I've sister gotcha. is also a poet, so my immediate family has some uh, creativity investment, but okay. the bigger family, not All so right. much. I'm very curious to ask you, in your own opinion, what do you feel are the most important characteristics behind two different things? First of all, the makings of a successful book, and then second of all, the makings of a prosperous author. What great questions those are. Would that I had a crystal ball, I'd be able to give you the perfect answers. I think that um, a prosperous author, and you really need to define as you before you even start out what prosperous would look like to you because you need to be able to aim for something specific. Many of us starting out say, I just want to be a rich and famous author, and that's not really enough specificity to go by. I feel already like a very prosperous author because in the time that my book has been out, people have said the most wonderful, wonderful things about it. It's been reviewed well. It's been received well. And I have a a wealth of people who are talking about it to others, and that feels very like that makes me really prosperous. If what you're talking about is monetarily, I think it's a really tough market. But I think that the publishing industry is changing because it has to change to recognize that there are books on demand now and that there are online radio programs and that the typical way that we've done business in the past doesn't work anymore. So it may be possible that down the road people can look again at the possibility of being prosperous without having to sign a contract with a big publishing house. The big publishing houses are mostly out of reach, I think, for the average author. And as far as the book is concerned, I think that the more we know what people are looking for and the more we can find that inside ourselves such that we can represent it, the more prosperous the book can be. 
Agreed. One my own feeling actually. about the way that translates in my own book is I learned things because I had my own life experiences and the things that I learned, like about my feelings and emotions, felt so universal to me that as I talked to people about what I was learning and studying, they encouraged me to write a book. And so I knew that that was a subject that was not unique to me. I knew that whatever had to be my own experience with my feelings and emotions across the board had to be something that would resonate with other people as well. Of course. So I think it depends on the connections that you can make. Oh, 100%. I agree with you. Did you get your, um, what I call the writing bug or your passion for writing at a young age, or was this something that just kind of startled you and thought, oh, my gosh, this is really what I want to do? I started writing uh, diaries when I was 13 years old. And, really? And uh, that grew into journals, and my journals are expansive. They're not just about what I'm doing and thinking and that kind of stuff, but they're also about what I'm experiencing out in the world and what I'm reading that is particularly poignant or upsetting or, or disturbing to me. So everything goes into my journal. And then I spent some years when I was um, just contributing like op-ed pieces and play reviews and things to news, local newspapers in the Hudson Valley in upper New York State where I was living at the time. And it wasn't really until after um, my life experience which is which I talk about in the book happened that it became clear to me that I needed to put it out there in a book form. And if I were to ask you two things, because these authors always intrigue me because I'm an author myself, so my process, my style, the way I do things, how I handle myself might be different from yourself, let's say. Two things. I don't envision a woman like yourself gets writer's block very often. Well, I was very lucky. I learned a way to deal with writer's block that has really worked for me. I once read that if you turn off or cover, in the old days of computers, you could turn off the monitor and keep typing, um, which I think is not so easy to do now with the newer computers. But if you cover the monitor so that you can't see it, you're effectively silencing your inner critic, which is Mm. totally controlling your writer's block. And if you just keep writing whatever it is you're thinking, literally the stream of your consciousness, you can eventually break through the writer's block. So, no, I don't suffer with it. But that doesn't mean that there aren't warnings when I have to sit at the computer and say, I have nothing in my head. My head feels empty. (laughs) I need to find out what's going on in there. And so first, it's like a warm-up exercise, you know, before you exercise at the gym. I will um, just write about what am I thinking. I I know I have to serve errands that I have to run, and I have these things going on, and I want to call so-and-so. And then gradually that passes, and it becomes a little more personal, a little more substantive, and then eventually you'll you'll just break through to what's really going on in there. Because oftentimes, writer's block doesn't mean that there's nothing in your head, as you well know. It means that there's something huge going on, and it's trying to coalesce before you can get it out. (laughs) I agree 100%. i got a whole lot of writer's block going on. Really bad time for this. That's why I'm asking. I'm like, oh, my God. It's always when you're on a deadline. It's always when you need to get something done, so it would seem. And I just, oh, I'm still struggling with this right now. Now, do you, um, for yourself, if you could name for me someone that has moved you in their own writings, whether it be a book, whether it be a presentation you saw, has there been one out there that has been poignant in their message that just moved you in such a way that you thought, yeah, that's remarkable? 
Well, some people who have written their stories have impacted me that way. I most recently read a book called Proof of Heaven, which I know is not a new book. That was written by a neurosurgeon in Virginia who had um, contracted viral meningitis. Maybe it wasn't viral. It might have been the other kind. Anyway, meningitis, and they had all but given him up for um, a vegetable state, if I could say it that way. And Mm -hmm. at the same time that they were preparing to um, end his life support, because it all happened very quickly inside of a week, he was having an amazing experience, an out-of-body experience that he remembered. And when he got done with that experience, he woke up and was perfectly fine. And so he wrote about that experience, and that to me was just extraordinary. Goodness, how powerful. Sounds very, very moving, yeah, actually. Yeah, it is very I powerful. I like that. Yeah. I do. I definitely so I think do. I, I think rather than individual authors, there are uh, just kinds of authors who will write something that touches me so deeply that I feel inspired. Hmm. And that's, that's nice. a wonderful feeling. That's I think that's the most any author can hope for. Oh, my gosh, yes. I get my inspiration from love of all different kinds. I know people think that sounds corny and hokey, but it's very true. I feel that no, love is true. a very... No, You can read a magazine entity. article that really changes something so significantly in your own mind, and certainly from the books that you read. And I read... I have sure. great curiosity about everything, so I read things from uh, biographies and autobiographies across the spectrum up until um, quantum physics. Quantum physics takes a little bit longer to read because I don't understand most of it, but it doesn't stop me from reading it because there's something in there that is um, a message for me. So I'm I'm okay with pretty much any kind of book I can find, gardening books, cookbooks, any kind. That's awesome. Absolutely. Now, to those that don't know, you hail from a state which has housed the likes of Alex Haley, who is, of course, from Roots fame, of course, Mario Puzo, the infamous Godfather series, and the ever-popular psychologist we've all heard of, Dr. Joyce Brothers. And that's certainly yeah. not a bad crowd to be synonymous with, my goodness. Not um, bad. I would love to be synonymous with them. <laughs> well, you're working your way there, little by little by little. You're lucky because they all hail from New York City, which I, of course, I have. A, my heart is in New York City. I'm telling you, I just love you guys there so much. Um, if you could touch upon, if you feel that in any way, location plays a part in terms of the career of a writer, whether it be how successful they are. Meaning, you know, you're in New York City, so I mean, there's, I'm guessing, a plethora of opportunity for a writer there. Does that make a difference? Do you think? I think it depends on the writer. It certainly makes a difference for me. I lived for, I've been back in the city for about uh, five years, and I was upstate in the mountains of New York State before that for about 20 years. And that's where most of my experience came from, and that's where I actually started writing the book. And one of the reasons I came back to the city was because I felt that there wasn't enough intellectual stimulation for me. There wasn't enough curiosity for me. And I had a wonderful group of friends. But outside of that small circle of friends, there wasn't very much stimulation for me. And since I've been back in the city, it seems that every conversation I have and all of the people I meet are really up to such big things. And they're not satisfied with the status quo. And and they're pushing themselves and they're expanding themselves and they're challenging themselves. And that's the best environment for me to be working in. Oh, I imagine so, definitely. Um, I, of course, have visited, and I'm going to be coming 
if Bridget has her way in November to be coming to visit. And I just find your city just lovely, full of life. And I have to ask this question. How is it possible that a woman who is so intelligent, so beautiful, and has such a good, strong head on her shoulders possibly be a single in a city with such possibilities? How is that possible? Because I read your status. I'm a Facebook friend, folks, and it says single. What's going on? I don't get it. Help me out here. I don't 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 get it. I don't know, no. except that I've learned about myself that what really turns me on in men is uh, smarts. And the smarter the really? man, the happier I am. And so maybe the smart men are um, spoken for. Maybe they're in hiding. Maybe they've got issues. Who knows? I don't know what it is. There are a lot of I have men a lot around, of and I meet lots. And really? Yeah. And it doesn't work? Really? Um, I don't say that it doesn't work. I say that it just, I haven't met someone who I've really perfectly clicked with. And Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough with my husband. um, We clicked the minute we met, and we would have gone on forever in that way. And so I have been very fortunate to know what it feels like to be in that kind of relationship. And a lesser kind of relationship is just not enough for me. And you deserve far better than that, obviously. Oh my goodness gracious! Now I'm going to have to find a guy for this woman here. My goodness, you're such a you, you're so impressive to me on so many different levels that it's always I always struggle with that idea the fact that there can be successful, intelligent women who have good heads on their shoulders and are working towards a, a finite message, a finer purpose, and and they don't have that companionship in in their lives. Um, I kind of wanted to steer right along in that way, so we kind of got to the great sedgeway here. Um, I'm, I'll attempt to be the modicum of sensitivity in broaching, broaching this particular subject, of course, because I, I know that one of the main motivators for your writing stems from the uh, death of your younger husband. So maybe if you could share with our audience what some of your fondest memories of him are and inclusive of what you feel his impressions would have been of your book. Oh, God, he would have loved the book. I can start from the last question, last part of your question. He would have loved it. He was someone who was completely in my corner. He was my biggest support in so many ways. He used to tell me that a day was going to come when I wouldn't be able to be invisible anymore, and I was just going to soar, and he would be right there in the front carrying my bags. (laughs) That was so something he told me many times. So it was an amazing relationship. And I learned from him really about loving, about being loving and about accepting loving, good quality loving. So in every respect, he transformed my life. We met at uh, one of the weekend resorts up in the um, Catskill Mountains, which is just north Mm -hmm. of New York City, which are just north of New York City. And from the minute we met, we knew that we were together. And we were never apart one day for the, of the five years that we were together before he died. And it was just amazing. Yeah. I felt like a queen. I, I felt like I was at the top of his agenda. He was a single dad when I met him, and he had two sons in high school. And somehow he managed to make all three of us feel like we were at the top of his agenda and no one ever felt like they were shortchanged. It was just an amazing experience for me. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now, if that isn't something to write about, I don't know what is. 
<laughs> it certainly so is something to write about. And and maybe he's a hard act to follow, going back to your earlier question. My goodness gracious. Have you given that thought or consideration? Because that's one thing I did want to ask you was, had you had given, I don't know, any kind of realistic thought about writing about your story with him or a story for him or something to him outside of this particular work, let's say. I definitely have. I have bits and pieces of a manuscript that I've yet to pull together, but I'd love to be able to do that. I kind of thought that I would do that a little bit down the road when people were familiar with me and my writing so that they would uh, be interested in reading about that rather than starting with that. I understand. Um, Now, I want to just, before we start actually talking about the book itself, let's pull this aside and just kind of break things apart. I'm always curious to ask those individuals, like, for instance, yourself. I'm assuming that you've gone out and you've done book signings and you've done public events and things like this. How do you find that people respond to you and to your work? Are they receptive? Are they curious? Are they confused? What sort of feedback do you get? It's all good. It's been fabulous. It's been astounding to me the extent to which people get what what I'm talking about. They, um, what I'm hearing from them is that they relate to my story, and that my story makes it easy for them to get into the issues of feelings and emotions. And some people have told me that I've written their story in many ways, and other people have um, just. They've been so generous in what they've, in the kindness that they've shown me. Okay. And yourself personally, do do you feel as though individuals that are in the grieving process or have lost an individual like yourself, of course, in that experience, can they, is the relatability factor stronger in that regard? Or do you feel that it's your audience has spanned all the way across the board? I think it's across the board because the uh, love story part is. Um, just a small beginning of where the book goes. It's it's there to set the scene in this book. It doesn't have all the fabulous anecdotes that the bits of manuscript um, that I referred to earlier have. And there are so many sure. stories, as there are with everyone's lives. And so they read that, they have a sense of who I am, where I'm coming from, and then they're interested in some of the other issues that I raise in some of the other chapters. So people are interested in um, love or in anger, or in fear, um, in um, the possibilities for people who we really are in the world if you look at reality and and consciousness and you think about those issues. So everyone seems to be able to hang on to something, and the vast majority of the people who who I've talked to have read the book are not people who have experienced the kind of loss that I have. Oh, Okay. Now, in this process that you engage in, meaning there's the writing process, bringing the product to life, and then, of course, obviously interaction with the with the crowds or meeting people or fans, etc., what's, what's the favorite part for you? Is it just, you know what, I like the writing, I'm less in the whole press and promotion thing? What is that like for, for you? What would you pick as your main favorite? Well, I have a, a mission, actually, for this book. The mission for this book is really the larger mission for this part of my life, which is to find a way to touch people and inspire them to take off the headsets and talk to one another about the things that we have most in common as humans. Because what I've learned from the science of our brains is 
everything they do, they do to have us connect with other human beings because that's the, for the survival of the species. And what I know is that when we talk together, even over the phone, but very much more so when we talk in person with one another, eye to eye with one another, something is happening electromagnetically that is connecting us to each other, that is investing us in one another's well-being, in one another's lives. And that, for me, is a doorway, a possible doorway into breaking down some of the fear and prejudice that we have about one another. Ah, very true. That's very, very true, actually. big mission. Ah, and you do it so very well, I have to say, and you're doing it very successfully, obviously, because I had no idea who you were. I didn't know what your concepts were about. I knew nothing. And then the lovely Dana Humphrey comes along one day and says, you have to meet this woman. You have to talk to her. Absolutely wonderful interview. And she's 100% right. I mean, she associates herself with such lovely people who are well-versed, who are well-established, who are very, very, very good at what they do. And I'm proud to say that I have you with me. Yay! Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. Oh, you're welcome. That's fine. Um, Now, uh, relative to the book, now others have proclaimed that the book, which is why do I feel this way, what your feelings are trying to tell you, is jointly therapeutic as it can serve as nourishment to both the mind and the body. Now, have these observations along the lines of your ultimate goal or purpose, is that truly what you wanted to accomplish well, it's the book is really just the beginning of that, um, and so I cannot say that I've accomplished it yet. Okay. But I think that because of the way the book is being received by a broad variety of people, people from different cultures, different age groups, um, different, I don't know, personality types. Um, sure. That I'm encouraged that I can keep going with my plan my world plan, if I can be so bold, and um, have a reasonable expectation that down the road I can make a contribution in that direction. Sure, certainly. And do you think that it's realistic um, for each particular individual, regardless of being a writer, of course, and I've always talked about this too, um, is it important to set those realistic life goals or like some of us, like me, I have a huge passion and I say the sky's the limit, so there really is no goal. It's just kind of like we just keep going, 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 setting the bar higher. Is that idealistically important, do you think, for individuals, for their own well-being? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't hmm, – I'm loath to answer that it's just yes, that it really matters that we have a particular goal in mind because that lets out a whole lot of people who don't have a particular goal in mind, who haven't yet set a goal, who don't really know, who are just curious and are just exploring. And I don't mean justice and to minimize that because that's critical. I don't think that you can get to a goal until and unless um, you do the exploring and you, you express your curiosity and you try out everything. I think the sky always has to be the limit. And I think that as you're looking around at the sky being the limit, you sometimes get to places along the way where you narrow it down to something that matters very much right now. It never mattered to me before to have the goal that I have now to get people talking together about what it means to be human. That happened as I was writing this book. It wasn't in my mind when I started writing this book, but there it was at the end of the book. So, And I've had other goals along the way that have been equally important at the time. So I think that under the heading of the sky's the limit, there are always 
things that you want in particular to accomplish? I think for you right now, and I'm, I'm going out on a limb here because obviously we've not met, but it's really important mm-hmm. to you to be the best mom you can be. And that will probably continue to Very be a, a great, huge goal for you. And certainly that is one of the biggest goals that there can be, to I, raise I a truly wonderful, there. fabulous human being and to to look yeah. at that human being as they grow and say, I see what I've put into that person. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Actually, that's a huge goal of mine. That's always the number one goal besides, the, you know, the writing and the passions that I carry. Mm-hmm. I believe that you truly, you need to emulate passion for every element of your life, your children, your friends, your family, your career. And if you don't, you're not living. And you're not living right every single day, I can tell you that. But I do have one true passion that, you know, I, I have one more goal and I'm trying to, and I'll be very candid because if, if anybody watches my page, they already know this. I'm on a mad hunt and I've even developed an entire another radio show all under the guise of getting one dinner date with Kiefer Sutherland. Huge goal. Had this goal for two years. I'm killing myself here. Two How's it years going? just to get one dinner date. Um, I got his mom on the show. I'm about to have her. So I'm getting oh, one great. step closer. <laughs> I'm very excited. I mean, you know, you. and I don't want to sound like a stalker. I, it's very exciting, you know, because people just look at me like I'm actually literally like cuckoo insane, and I'm like, no, actually, I have goals. And yes, is it a dream? Yes, is it crazy? No, not in my field, because when you're in radio and you interview celebrities and things, you know, I was very moved by his work and inspiration, and it inspired me to start an entire show just for Canadians, and that in part was the work of him and his mother. So, you know, I mean, I'm not unrealistic, and I'm not a kook. I know he's not going to come to Wisconsin and marry me, although I'm open to options here. Um, so, you know, you I mean, I try to keep it open. Well, of course you do, because you never know when opportunity is going to come along, Absolutely. clearly. I mean, especially in our field, you know, it's a catch-22. I mean, you can write a beautiful piece of work, and people could be like, oh, my God, she's so amazing, and I'm so impressed, and it's so lovely. And, you know, it goes nowhere. You make no money, nobody reads it, nobody hears it. Exactly. And, you know, for me, it's not... It isn't so much about the money. I think most of us authors that are true to our passion, really, at the end of the day, I don't aspire to be rich and famous. I aspire to touch and move people, and I inspire people to listen and get some happiness or gain something like that spiritually for themselves. I know that sounds a little strange, but it's very true. Well, <laughs> I'm I just think a I share that goal with you. Woman. Yay, we're going to become very steadfast friends, although you're going to kill me. Because I do have to tell you that I have to go. <laughs> We're into the first okay. half hour. We're getting into this great spiel, and we have to go. Tell me something. Can we have a date yeah. again tomorrow? We can. Wow, that was immediate. <laughs> yes, well, I think we can have, to have, ask have a twice. Date. Yes. I think we can. Hang on. Let me just check for a second. Okay. Because you go ahead and check. Yes, I think we can. Do you want to do it at 1 o'clock? 1 o'clock your um, time? You know what? Let's do 1 o'clock your time, one o'clock my time, because then I have okay. a 4 o'clock interview and a 5 o'clock interview. So now I'm doing That'll 3 tomorrow. This is real, I'm getting really okay. excited. I can't stand this. I can't. Now, before I let you go, I'm going to just throw this out here so everybody can listen. I'm going to repeat this tomorrow. Social media-wise, Dina, of course, is on Facebook, www.raisinghealthyvoices.com. She's on Twitter at, at DWVoices. Amazon and Barnes and Noble is where you can find her work. Did I miss anything? No, you got it all. I do have a blog at my website. Oh, you do. Okay, I want to make a note of that. I do. That's right. Okay, and in case everybody didn't hear that, she has a blog on her website, and look for her on Twitter and, of course, on Facebook. And I have a ton of more interesting questions for you. And then tomorrow we can just blab and blab and blab. And even if you want to just blab for another hour, I'm really excited about that because to me this is just this is just 
Oh, my gosh, I'm so very excited. Yes, and thank you for being so cooperative, and thank you for being so understanding. I'm sorry, it's just to those that listen, or most of the people that listen to my show already know, with my son being eight and him having the seizure disorder, it's, you know, it's very, very, it, it's, it used to be very normal, and now the norm is, nope, we're having problems, got to go to the doctor, got to call the doctor, got to switch meds. This is something we're not used to yet, and I'm not used to yet. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's not an ideal thing to have to tell a guest, but... That's my first calling, and that will always be my first calling. That's probably why I'm going to be broke and never really famous, but I don't really care. Well, and I want to thank you for working to be a great mom because that is the most oh, important thing you can be you. doing. It is. It's very touching and it's very moving, and I think I'm very, very blessed. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm very blessed, and I'm very fortunate, and I have been very fortunate to at least get 30 minutes with you. Now, tomorrow, let's shoot for like 45 minutes or an hour. How's that? Okay. So, Okay. And you want me to call you at... Uh, 2 o'clock my We're time? We're having you call in 2 o'clock your time, 1 o'clock my time. Perfect. You hear that, folks? 1 o'clock Central Standard Time tomorrow. Me, Dina Wilcox, date number two. I love Great. it. That's wonderful. Thank All you, right, sweetheart, you. I'll let you go till tomorrow, dear. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodness, I don't know why that keeps beeping at me and making that noise. Um, just to reiterate, Dina is on Facebook, www.raisinghealthyvoices.com. Twitter at DW Voices, and her work can be found on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, so sorry that we have to cut out early today, but like I said, I'll be making up for it. We have a one o'clock with Dina tomorrow. Then I have two more guests tomorrow: one at four o'clock, one at five o'clock. And very quickly, very, very, very big shout out and thank you to Dana Humphrey for putting myself and Dina together. We look forward to talking to you all tomorrow. Thank you.